Prayer to the Christian is what money is to the businessman. And now for your first love. Good evening, everybody. Thank you all for coming out tonight. This is a moderately weird sermon in the sense that it's for me. (laughs) That may sound a little bit weird to say. If you've been here the last five or so months, I've been in the midst of a series, and it's been different from the standard imagination stations. Usually, I'll speak on the biggest challenge of the month, but I decided to kind of batch them for a little bit. And then over the last four, five months, were some of the most emotionally draining and mentally debilitating months I've ever experienced, consecutively at least. But today, I'm not going to speak on any of that. I'm going to speak on a solution to them. The title of the sermon today is simply, Your First Love. Your First Love. Let's open up with prayer. Bow your heads. Lord, I thank you for bringing everybody here today. And Lord, I simply pray that we shall love you first and foremost. I pray then that by extension, we shall love our neighbor as ourselves. And Lord, I just pray that your light shall shine and shall be spread through every deed that we do. I pray that all the glory shall be unto you, Lord God, and that we shall not sanctify ourselves before you. And Lord, I pray that tonight we shall leave here changed. Even if it's not a word and a message, but perhaps a conversation held with somebody else, I just pray that everybody shall leave here loving you more. Lord, may we have our priorities and our preferences in check, and may we truly put you first. In the name of Jesus and by the spirit of truth, we pray. Amen. So before I forget, this sermon is especially inspired by a YouTube channel titled Service Christi or Servant of Christ. They usually do like a kind of heresy reports, you know, calling out false teachers and whatnot. But this sermon is more so about the warnings and the shortcomings of discernment. So starting out in scripture, we're going to be looking at Revelations 2. I'll be reading in the ESV translation and let's just start at verse 1. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who hold the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil and your patient endurance and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not and found them false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this you have. You hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the churches. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. So we see some interesting here. First, we see this church being affirmed. You know, it's positive. They're resisting evil. They can't bear to stand it. They're calling out these false teachings and preachings and apostles. But they had abandoned their first love. Now, there's something kind of interesting about priorities biblically. And that's that if you allow for something that is commonly good to be before Christ, it becomes a bad thing. See, whatever you put before Jesus in your order of preferences and priorities becomes an idol of sorts. You put it before God, and to many extents, you put it above God. 
And even if you don't necessarily, you know, love something more than you do Jesus, even negative emotions apply too. In this instance, they're resisting evil. They're calling out individuals for being false. But because they seemed to hate this evil more than they loved Christ, it's all the same. To hate evil more than you love Christ is similarly an idol as to spend more time to love something more than you do Jesus. Your first love be Jesus. It's interesting because this lampstand was there. It was established. They had that first love first, but they went cold. There's a warning that we see in scripture, and it's done through a parable to warn us against going cold. It's found in Matthew 25, beginning at verse 1. It's the parable of the ten virgins. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five of them were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. And immediately this doesn't seem like a passage that's worn against going cold. We may try and look at the symbolism, oh, what does the lamp stand for, or what is the oil here? But fundamentally, the one thing that's consistent regardless of the symbolism is that one group had just prepared oil in their lamp. Nothing additional. You know, expecting something quick. It's going to be right around the corner. The bridegroom's on his way. He'll be here by midnight. My oil's good. And another group, they had oil in their lamp and they had additional oil. They had extra preparation. And there was a delay. And we're warned that there is a delay. Both groups had oil. But one of them was ready for a long time. Now, if you've truly been saved, I'm pretty sure every one of us in here has experienced that time of just insane fervor for God. A fire where, you know, you were doing everything differently. You know, if you had even just one friend that wasn't a believer, you were trying to tell them at every turn of the day, you need to give your life to Jesus. You may not even know the Bible much, but you need to give your life to Jesus. You may not know the statistics, know the stats, know the science about why the Bible is most likely to be true, but you need to give your life to Jesus. At the very least, it was a lot of passion, and that passion burned wild like a fire. And yet, similarly, if you've walked this walk for a long time, I'm sure you've experienced what it's like to go cold, where you've had that fire that burned wild at every turn. You were telling people, you need to give your life to Jesus. But it just didn't last. It went out and you didn't prepare any extra oil or worse off. It went out and you were asleep. You didn't even notice the cold coming across you. We are warned in scripture to prepare for a long time and throughout this process to make sure that we have a disposition towards Jesus. And evidence for this is seen in Matthew 22 verses 34 through 40. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. 
You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. It's interesting how the first is just so certain. Nothing after the first commandment matters if it's not done. If you do not love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, nothing else after it matters. You aren't even able to love your neighbor as yourself if not first loving God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. And it is from there that there is an overflowing of love that it reaches them to. It be the fundamental requirement first to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul. Hence the title, Your First Love. <laughs> and continuing on, as 1 Timothy 6, 17 through 19 states, and this is just to show that without the love, it don't really mean too much. It reads, as for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. Mm. Not to find hope in your wealth, in your riches. And that's what the world tells us, you know, to aim for. Who doesn't want to be a millionaire? <laughs> the world tells us, you know, there's this security and wealth, right? If you can just get rich, you'll be happy. More money, more problems. <laughs> but to trust and place your certainty in God. And wealth isn't guaranteed, even if you are a Christian. Just hope you know that. Biblically speaking, you're probably going to have more problems if you're genuinely following God than not. <laughs> And I have recently, last couple of days, saw it in a sermon. A pastor, big pastor, not going to say the name, though, no, had stated the statement that poverty was evil. And, you know, sometimes you see those videos where you can't help but just, like, pause it and let it sink in. That was one of them. You know, I couldn't help but think back, you know, say, like, John the Baptist, greatest man born of women. And, you know, how he was thin, swaying like a reed in the wind. And he was eating honey and locusts. He was the brokest of them all. I couldn't help but think of the early church movement where you had Jesus and the disciples that were establishing Christianity, changing the world, and the movement was being done in poverty. Couldn't help but think of the disciples, you know, after Jesus' death who went on to continue to do works, and they weren't, you know, taking a tithe. They weren't rich by any means. They were working day by day hoping that, Lord, please provide me this day the bread that I may eat, literally. A hand-to-mouth salary. And yet this is what Christianity was established in. These men were dirt. Poor. If you have kids, kids don't even have jobs, may just get like a $5 allowance. Probably got more wealth than them, literally. But they had trust in God, and they were truly able to take hold of that which is valuable in life. <laughs> Still, these disciples weren't perfect. <laughs> See, it's not just physical wealth that we have to look out for, but sometimes individuals be getting hyped up in their own righteousness, their own spirituality. We saw this clearly from the disciples in Luke 10, verses 17 through 20, and it reads... The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like a lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Your first love. The only one that can save you. And this is what we rejoice about. It's not about wealth and riches in a physical sense. Shoot, it's not about miraculous powers if we're one of the few that can clearly express it. 
but it is about our names being written in heaven. What is greater to rejoice over? Even if you had the whole world, what would it gain you if it cost you your soul? Eternity, our first love. We continue on to verses 38 through 42, same chapter, Luke 10. It reads, now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Martha was doing a good thing. She was occupied with much serving, not even a little serving, much serving. But still, she did not have that fundamental thing. You know, that first love. And if you put that first love second, then nothing else matters. Jesus, the first love, he has to be first. Martha was distracted. And in that distraction, that good thing became a teachable lesson. Continuing on, just to provide some like more tangible examples of like preference and priority. You don't put on your clothes and then jump in the shower, right? You don't eat a big, nutritious meal and then go for a mile-long swim. You don't pour the milk and then the cereal. (laughs) These are small things, but it goes to show the need for preference and priority. Your first love must be first. Mm. And even in the process of our first love being first, we should still do good deeds. It's not to say that just because we do this, then, okay, nothing else really matters. Sure, in the salvation sense, but we are still called as disciples of Christ to do good deeds. As Galatians 6, verses 8 through 10 state, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap. If we do not give up, so then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are the household of faith. When we looked at those first two priority commandments, of course you have your first love, and then similar to it, it is to love your neighbor as yourself. It's cool not to forget that, but still in the process, keep the first love first. Beautiful, beautiful. And you may be wondering, how do I do that? How do I keep my first love first? Well, it's a relationship. And just as you keep up relationships with people here on this earth, it requires communication, consistent communication at that. And how do you communicate with God? Prayer. I think everybody knew where I was going with that one. (laughs) Prayer. Prayer to the Christian is what money is to the businessman. Prayer to the Christian is what money is to the businessman. And in the process of serving God, you've already made sure that he is your first love, always first. In the process of going out and defending the doctrine, there's one thing that I have to warn you of, and it's not to fall into one or two extremes. And those two extremes are cowardice and aggression. Now, usually they're not put off like this. Usually cowardice is covered with a veil of humility. And usually aggression is covered in a veil of boldness. But yet still, we're not called to either. Everybody has different dispositions, but yet still we're called to defend the faith. To be able to give an account and a reason for why we believe what we believe. Mm. All because our first love told us so. All because if we do not defend the faith, then our first love can be lost to those who are seeking. If we do not defend the faith, then the enemy has free reign. 
It is not to say that discernment is a terrible thing. We should walk and seek truth, knowledge, and understanding because faith is optimized in truth. But of course, we have to keep the first love first. As scripture reads in Philippians 1 verses 8 through 11, For God is my witness, how I yearn for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. For the sake of pure worship, we should aim for discernment. Even in scripture, we see this clear ordering of the love first, your first love. And then comes the truth and discernment. Recently, other day, I was asked a question in an interview. And it was simply, why do I do what I do? And I gave this answer before I had really prepared this sermon. But looking back, it's the main reason why I say this message was for me. And I said, I do what I do. And it began because of a feeling of betrayal. It was because in my upbringing, I was told a lot of things that when I researched, I found out just were not true. I was lied to and I felt betrayed because I trusted these people and yet they misled me. And so I do what I do out of hope that I may help out somebody else that may not know they're being lied to. I do what I do out of hope of helping somebody that was just like me and worst of all, may not even be seeking the truth already. But when I did this sermon, I couldn't help but think, you know, that was the right thing, but the wrong motive. (laughs) It all returns to your first love. Sharing truth to try and help out the lost. To help those in darkness see the lights that be Christ. To share our first love that we may all be saved. For we rejoice not in wealth and riches, nor in miracles and spirituality, but that our names be written in the book of eternal life. I don't even know what else I can say. (laughs) Other than return and remain in your first love. Thank you. Have a great night, everybody. You are listening to brothersoftheword.com. This was the message titled, Your First Love, by George Bronner. This message is number 4117. That's 4117. To listen to thousands of free messages or to send this message number 4117 to a friend, go to brothersoftheword.com. If this message has been a blessing to you and you would like to help support this ministry, go to iwanttogive.com. That's iwanttogive.com. Listen to brothersoftheword.com often because, brother, you need the word. Brothers of the word.